Hello, and welcome to the Morning Bell podcast, where we interview authors, discuss writing-related topics, and talk about the writing process as a whole. If you want any more information about the Morning Bell and what it is, look up themorningbell.net. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics that you'd like to see discussed, email the co-editor of the Morning Bell, Kezia Lebanski, at the email address kezia at themorningbell.net. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell podcast. My name is Joel Martin, and it's a little bit of a different scene today. Uh, today we're currently at the Brunswick Street Bookstore in Brunswick Street, and it's very kind of them to offer their facilities to our voices for us to be incred- incredibly um, uncomfortable to people browsing the shelves and such, but that's sort of our job at this point. Um, in case you don't know, The Morning Bell is basically a magazine for emerging writers and editors uh, to get used to the writing process. And you would have heard us before uh, with my co-host, um, Lucas DeQuinzio. Now, Lucas is not here currently. Instead, we're joined by my current co-host, which is Luke Manley. Luke, how are you going? Uh, good, thanks. Uh, Luke joined us on our previous show um, with Liz Flux from VoiceWorks, and we thought, hey, He's pretty good. Let's have him on. Uh, another reason for that is the is that Lucas and Kezia are working quite hard on the magazine, and the podcast team basically needs to be separate, and that way we can produce regular shows, and it would be entertaining to those listening at the moment. So that makes me a, a last resort, right? <laughs> well, the first choice of the last Our resort. first choice of the last resort. <laughs> so, Luke, tell us a bit about yourself. Like, What do you do? What kind of writing do you do? I'm a fantasy writer. Mm-hmm. You can pick me up at on my website where I'm putting like little snippets of stories, uh, a couple of uh, there's quotes. I think it might even be a poem up there. I'm not sure if I put one up there yet. Mm. Um, little image sketches, which um, again are done in text. So yeah, um, chiefly fantasy, young adult, mm-hmm. young adult fantasy. And since we're already plugging your stuff already, um, <laughs> let's just go whole hog. You published a self-published a novel um, last year, was it? Last year, yes. That would be Amelian's Tale, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, this this podcast, in case you're wondering, ladies and gentlemen, is more of an interview to get you used to Luke and um, to the way we're going to do things. And it takes a bit of doing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Don't I know it. Um <laughs> And to get you used to the way we're going to do the podcast in the future, and at the end of this one, it'll be pretty short, about 20 minutes, um, and then we'll be rounding it off and giving you a bit of a teaser on who's going to be uh, coming up on the next show, which is two weeks from now. Um, so, let's talk about Amelian's Tale. What got you into writing it? Like, what kind of style is it in? And Oh, slightly involved there. We should have gotten me to make notes first, huh? <laughs> Uh, Melian's Tale started out as, you know, the history or, I mean, the, I can go to the history. It started out yeah. as um, snippets of information from a character in my world mm-hmm. who was supposed to look at events that happened to other people. Yep. And after, ooh, it was about a month, I scrapped that idea, tossed most of the first entries I'd written and made him into a central character. And then he turned into his own character, made a full story, what is it, 110,000 word novel. So, yeah. um, 
it went from some random side character to being a, a full fledged story mm-hmm. of its own. Yeah. Um, and what does that sort of feed into your writing currently? Is it in the same world? Is it with the same characters? Have you moved on from that? Or are you still clinging to fantasy? I'm definitely still clinging to the fantasy side of things mm-hmm. um, in the same world as well. Right. Because I was pretty pretty thorough with Emelian's story, I'm not focusing on him as much anymore. He's already gone through his development and I don't think there's a lot more that will change with him. Certainly there will still be some stories that include him, but he won't be a chief role in them anymore. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not yet anyways. Who knows? They might change. <laughs> you might fall in love with him again. <laughs> not that you ever fell out of love with him, but... Um, well, that's interesting, and... For those of you who are listening, you know, and those of you who are emerging writers as well, like, that was your first novel, you know? What was that... What did it feel like, I guess? To get it out or to do it? I mean, both. Well, the doing it phase was quite tricky. I mean, as you go, you don't generally look back and say, oh, I've got 60,000 words or... Or, you know, even, even 250 words. You get through the first entry and you don't stop and think, how many words have I got yeah. when you're actually writing a book? Yeah. At least I didn't. Um, I know I've done it with some other things, but they never actually got anywhere. So when I started this one, I just sat down, wrote it and wrote it and wrote it and wrote it and wrote mm-hmm. it. And then I looked back probably halfway. I was like, wow, there's a lot of words there. I better not count them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Um, and so writing it was kind of weird. I mean, I got to patches where I stopped for a while, had to try and get through it and um, discussed it with, well, with, with Joel, actually, mm. with you. So um had to figure out some plot holes, but I guess that happens with a lot of stories, doesn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, Did you initially think, and I think this is the question a lot of people think, mm-hmm. when you write, and I'm not saying that this is the only way to do it at all, but... Um, different people approach uh, writing a novel or writing short stories in different ways. But your pr- particular process, um, did you know this was going to be a novel? Or did you think, hey, I'm just going to write, do a couple of short stories, maybe? At the very start, I didn't know. I, I knew it was going to turn into something, not a short story, not a full short story. It was more like information for myself at the beginning. It mm-hmm. was more like um, trying to flesh out a character who was supposed to be the scribe for his people, but he wasn't going to be a central character or anything at all. So it wasn't going to be a full novel. It was going to be more like information that helped me with other stories. Sure. Um, But again, a month in, that kind of all changed. So Mm -hmm. yeah, all just turned around and I had to improvise a lot. (laughs) So what is Luke Manley's life now currently? Like, is he writing? Is he, what's he doing? Luke Manley is now living a really, no, he's not. Um, (laughs) Luke Manley. Uh, oh, that's me. Uh, he's he's tweeting a lot. Mm, I've noticed. A lot uh, of bad puns. A lot <laughs> of bad hashtags. You, you gotta I hate use hashtags. Them. you got to use them. It's terrible. <laughs> that's just the fun of it. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, writing, a um, bit of study at the side. I mean, until until I've got a lot more books out there, there's no chance of working full-time as a writer. Mm. So... Or even part-time, really. So, And I think that's sort um, of the realization that a lot of emerging writers come to. It's like, let's venture out on our own and, you know, do our thing. And, and oh, the band is though, looking yeah. really thin right now. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be really fantastic if we could all just start out as writers and be writers. And so. just live off that. But, yeah, the reality is often harder than that. Unless, of course, you hit it big. Like, it's got to be like off. the one uni course that we just end up 
pauperizing you. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, Doctors, yeah, you'll be a, you'll be down for a while. Uh, lawyers, you'll be down for a little bit. But you see, but all of those writing, things have yeah. bad things. Mm-hmm. Doctors, you could end up killing somebody. Um, lawyer, you might end up killing somebody. Um, writers, hey, if anything, we just end up killing ourselves. So <laughs> we are the most generous um, the people most generous, society, that's right. really. All we do is give and give. We it's, give, it's all we give selfless of our sustenance. And and selfless and um, <laughs> income wages and... That's it. <laughs> it's quite terrible. Um, so, what have you been writing or doing in the last week? Last I've noticed week? some shorts mm-hmm. on your website. Um, what do you call them? They're um, text sketches? Uh, text sketches, yeah. yeah. What as I mentioned earlier, it's kind of... Uh, I've seen a lot of people do sketches, and I've seen a lot of people do like little snippets of writing so that, is that they like, like to call poems. You know? So it's like microfiction? Um, it is microfiction to to an extent. I've kind of made it more image than story. So you focus so on it's, description. It's then. focusing on description, focusing right. on an idea or a place or a setting, mm-hmm. and trying to pull as much out of it as possible with with words. So build a scene. Yeah, build a scene, and they're not stories of themselves, but they probably contain what well, they do contain pieces of stories. So. Yeah. Um, they're like poems, but in prose that are supposed to convey a very strong image. Right, right, okay. And do you find it useful for you? Do you find it useful for your um, readers? Like, what's the yeah? No, I find it, it useful for me. I've, I don't. I haven't had a lot of feedback on them yet. Um, mm. People are finding them interesting, but um, as opposed to um, helpful for them getting into the world. I mean, that's that's not something that's come up really. Right. Um, okay. It's more like it's just little pieces that help me mm-hmm. helps me because it's a different style different style of writing yeah it's more focused more intense than other writing it's it's interesting isn't it like i i see a lot of people talking about like some writing helping them but they publish it anyway you know they self-publish it and you know they're like oh uh, this is my technique to do something bigger or whatever do you think that's what you're doing with text sketches do you think it's like a bridge, which is enjoyable in and of itself, but also useful to you as like as a building tool for, say, a novel or something like that? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that at all. I think no. it's just it's a personal project. It's something right. okay. separate. Yeah, yeah, like an experiment then. Experimental. Yeah, it's experimental. It's um, just because I enjoy them. Yeah, I really enjoy writing them. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Um, where do you stand? on the idea of young adult fiction in fantasy. Like, you primarily write young adult fantasy, correct? Uh, what do you mean the idea of standing on it? Well, I suppose I'll, <laughs> this is this gets there a little a big more, argument it? that I've it, forgotten. It's, it's, <laughs> there's a lot of arguments about a lot of things. But um, in particular is the idea of uh, those traditional story types, you know, the the structured story of, um, I don't want to name names and to say, like, they were bad stories or anything, but usually it's like, um, this is a, a young apprentice or something, something befalls his family, and mm-hmm. then he's a, a, he either trains under a mentor or something, and it follows a pretty traditional... Uh, yeah, the so- very, yeah, the very traditional uh, yeah, sort of hero's journey me? sort of structure. Is it just me, or is it mm. just, like, I see that a lot in young adult fiction, in particular? It does happen a lot. Um... I'm quite... Okay, now I know what you mean. Um, yeah. I'm fairly opposed to that. It's yeah. not like I hate the way that other people have written their books. It's just that when it comes to me, I want to write something that feels fresh. So I don't want to go structuring a story and trying to make it all um, 
start out that way. Mm, have the yeah. have the have the mentor come in. Have the have someone push the hero into whatever they're doing, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I want it to be more um, organic. Yeah. So, seat of your pants. Seat of the kind of not quite. Mm. It's more like um, just trying to make it feel fresh and yet still structured. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not. It's not like I'm trying to make it completely off the loop or anything. But does that mean? And this is sort of question your diary entries mm-hmm. metamalian's yep. um diary mm-hmm. um could you argue they were structured because they have like a day's um cycle it's like oh he's going to write this in a particular day um so you need to have an introduction you need to have a climax to the story is that what you're talking about in structure or as in you don't like it or is it more focused on the broader picture do you consider that structure? Like, I'm more focused on what is happening than a very specific structure that helps someone grow specifically. But doesn't that also help the reader? In what way? So, by, by structuring it in a way that makes sense, um, you're encouraging the reader to follow your train of thought. Mm-hmm. Does that mean... I should stop clicking my pen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but does that mean that if you don't follow a particular structure or a structure that is helpful to the reader, the reader might just feel, ah, oh, it's just a strain of consciousness or a stream of consciousness or, um, yeah. It definitely has there. its own kind of structure. But again, it's more like the idea that I'm not trying to go with something that we've read in every other book. Yeah. Do you um, deliberately try and avoid that? Or is it something that just comes to you unconsciously? I, I at the start, I try to avoid it. Sometimes I slip into pieces of it. Mm-hmm. So I'll put, is that necessarily bad, though? No, 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 no. It's not bad because it's how these stories evolved, yeah. how it's how it's grown. So I'm not opposed to mm-hmm. finding pieces of it in my story. I just don't sure. want to start off thinking it's going to be like this, yeah, and then structuring my story and then just writing bits of text between events. But it's quite popular. <laughs> like the people that I just cited, the, those those particular stories that have those very predictable patterns or whatever. And it's like, oh, right, he meets this person. The person's probably going to be separated from him or her and you get you know you you can see it a mile away right mm-hmm. um you can see the rock falling before that's, you hear it. that's the problem yeah yeah that's that's what i have against it but people <laughs> enjoy it in that way does that mean that um, they're just going with whatever that's written or they feel comfortable with does that mean an unstructured story technically quote unquote I'm not sure mm-hmm. what that means exactly but does an unstructured story therefore make it harder for an entry level reader to get interested do I you wouldn't think, say so you wouldn't no, say I so. wouldn't say so yeah because I would say that most of those are just yeah really well marketed uh-huh. yeah yeah <laughs> because a lot of a lot more time well maybe this is just personal opinion maybe it shouldn't well it is personal opinion but maybe yeah. it's not um, exactly how it happened but it's probably it feels to me like there's more time for marketing if you just work on a very specific structure and write to that. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go more organic, people might not know of you as much, but they might find something more interesting in your writing. Yeah. That's a nice, neat way of putting it. Um, so that's sort of a very long introduction and uh, just <laughs> exposition on what Luke does and the kind of writing he does and also the kind of views that you expect him to have with other guests <laughs> and stuff. Um I told and, you it would take a while to get used to Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that up to the audience. Um, but moving forward, and this is sort of the section where we talk about what we've seen, 
um, in the last week, and so we'll do a short section on this, even though it's sort of like an ad hoc podcast currently. Um, so what have you seen recently that you'd like to talk about, like writing-related or that was well done? I know you mentioned Once Upon a Time in the last <laughs> podcast, and I wanted to talk about this with you. Um, not to embarrass you, but the idea is in the oh, last podcast, yeah. you said it had interesting ideas. It did have, N- yeah. Yeah, so I went and did a bit of research on this. Um, is it me, or after like the first season, does it go v- quite bad? Yeah, it goes really badly. <laughs> um, All right. Put it this way, you, you were just talking about structure a minute ago yeah. and about how it follows a very specific structure of certain stories. Mm-hmm. Um, after the first season, which was kind of interesting and getting into a few ideas, the next season, I haven't watched beyond that really, but the second season itself seems to just be little snippets of the exact same structure over right, and over okay. and over and over and over and over and yeah. over and mashed into your face until you think, wow. But I mean, then it just becomes like it's a dull. <laughs> procedural, you know, cop drama or something like that. Right? Yeah. So it basically becomes that. Except not logical either. It didn't follow enough logic. It kept the same structure and it ruined pieces of logic. So yeah. uh, not to say that it was absolutely terrible, but it had a lot of issues yeah. with yeah. that. Um. Yeah, so I'm a bit down about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after your recommendation, I was like, all right, let's well, check. Well, it's, it's a good start. I don't think I completely recommend it. No, you I, didn't. I did, yeah, I remember I was a bit, a little bit skeptical you were about skeptical, something. I was but... like, they were taking some things uniquely and they shouldn't yeah. be changing them. But but now that you uh, see the series as a whole, now I see, where's well, the consensus? Is at least it the not? second. Maybe they get better, I don't know. But um, I've heard it got worse. Oh, I haven't seen it, okay, but yeah. I heard it gets worse. But... Um, um, yeah, I've 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 gone away from that. Now. <laughs> so, what are you watching currently? Um, that. that. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, that's where I've gotten so far. That mm-hmm. was the last week, anyways. Yeah. Um, for any of you science fiction nerds out there, um, I'm watching Battlestar Galactica now. I mean, it's pretty old now, but I'm yeah, starting it. Yeah. <laughs> Never really got into those shows. I watched the old series mm-hmm. ages ago, and that was good. Yeah, uh, not the second one, the first one. That was good. Right. Um, I've heard the second one was pretty bad, but the the new one. This is two thousand, I believe. Mm-hmm. This is a mini series before the series. Yeah. Um, it's it's still a very similar idea to the start of the other one, so I can't really give a good exa- a good um, analysis of, of the story yet. But the setting's good. Um, a lot of the conflicts are similar to the old ones, so again, it's probably just starting it off, but I'm liking it. Yeah. I'm liking it. Nice. Um, I'll get back to you in a few weeks, I guess. Yeah, t- t- tell me if it went the route of the uh, of uh, Once Upon a Time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, as for my watching, I have watched nothing uh, since oh. the last podcast, which is... Well, yeah, if you get into that, then. Yes. Oh, actually, no, that's, no, that's not true at all. I've um, A friend of mine recommended me da vinci's demons the series um and i've been wanting to get into it for a while and i was just putting it off because i was like i watch way too much tv shows and <laughs> i don't need another one sucking my time away from writing um but i did in the end watch da vinci's demons and the first season was quite nice uh the way they do da vinci became a bit like the way that robert downey, downey jr's sherlock holmes became he's more of an action hero you know oh, okay. yeah super like incredibly smart but i guess it makes sense in um 
Da Vinci's uh, case. Though, like, you know, this smart, intelligent, handsome, good-looking guy. Um, <laughs> it's all good, but I like the show as, as for what it's what's. I think Blake Ritson, the villain... Um, Oh, uh, can I put you aside for a second? Is this the Leonardo da Vinci or a different da Vinci? It is Leonardo it is da Vinci. Leon, yeah. 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 So it's about like his life in Florence, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's set historically, or is it a modern take? It's a, it's historical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's historical. Um, it's quite interesting because of that, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, cool. You get to go back in the period and stuff like that. Uh, it goes a lot into the Medici family as well, like R- L- Lorenzo and stuff. And funny enough, in the second season, I actually started enjoying Lorenzo's story more than I did Da Vinci's story, which <laughs> I'll get to that. Um, How's the setting? Yes, the setting is good. It, it captures it really well. It, it shows Florence as, an, as a place of like learning and um, you know modernism, and it, it wants to grow out of this oppression from like the papal church, and that's like the main arch enemy um, to Da Vinci. And for it's a while, anyway, Renaissance, yeah, yeah, and th- and they've got the supernatural thing that goes along with the entire idea, um, which is not bad. It, it's it's all right, but. I don't know. I, I sort of enjoy the real world problems more than I do like the mythical journey. Um, so, so the idea is the first season was good. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and the second season, um, the second season, well, spoilers. It's, so I can't really tell you why it gets bad in a way uh, for me, because I feel like he goes away from Florence. He mm-hmm. leaves Florence across the sea um, to an uncharted land. Uh, and, this is where it gets a little muddy because one, I like Blake, Rit- Blake Ritson. I think he's a great villain who turns a bit interesting. Um, but it's just, it's not Florence anymore. And it's not that environment. It's not the same people. And they're all split up a bit. Uh, and I find myself enjoying Lorenzo's story a lot more than Da Vinci's story. Uh, and that's sort of a problem for me. Um, and I'll, mm. I'll get back to you all on the podcast, like what I think about where the second season goes and, you know, where I'd like to see it go. But there's one particular thing that doesn't really have to do with the series, but sort of does, and just generally TV shows in general, is... Beware the second season? Be- oh. Well, <laughs> sort of, sort of. Um, but it's when you make your hero a superhero. Leonardo da Vinci, uh, it's, it's quite comically, I guess is the inventor of everything. Not just what Leonardo <laughs> discovers, but everything. You know, Galileo and everything. He just happened to know it all before. Like, um, to me, that sort of stuck a bit raw because it's always interesting to see your hero's strengths. Uh, but when you push his strengths to the point of like, oh, this guy can overcome everything, <laughs> sort of the challenge disappears, you know? Um, you don't There's have... no Krypton for him. Yeah, <laughs> Krypton. It's like... The most contrived um, problem on earth. But in that way, Leonardo da Vinci figures out everything. Like, you know, celestial bodies, the way the blood transfusion works. And, like, it's just everything, right? And the way they make it look is just, like, he can do everything. And to a certain extent, that makes the audience go, well... Then what's wrong? Well, then what's, you yeah. know, where's the challenge for him, in <laughs> a way? Ch- <laughs> um and so, so we'll see how it goes, and, and I'll comment on this later. A bit like a Sherlock Holmes, then. <laughs> yes, exactly, because like if Sherlock Holmes knows everything, what's the challenge? You know he's going to solve it in the end. Um, and somehow he becomes an action hero in the movies, too, and sort of have issue with that. But um, so, so that's currently where I'm at with um, Da Vinci's Demons. David S. Goya, the, the writer of the show, is 
uh, screenwriter that I've actually been interested in for a while, and he did, a f- I think, the Batman movies, I think the first one, and maybe the same, I'm not sure. Um, but I, ha- I was following his career, and so that sort of got me into it as well. And he is a good writer, but I feel like some of the things in Da Vinci's Demons just don't sort of hmm. gel with me. It's good all around. It's no Ripper Street, but it's good. Um, we'll probably get a guest who can talk about that a little bit more, who also also seen the show. Who knows? Maybe, maybe in the next few months, but uh, <laughs> no comments on that. Um, <clears throat> so that sort of um, brings us to the conclusion of today's show. Um, it's pretty quick. It's only about a 25-minute podcast, but um, it's just me and Luke having a good old chat about literature, about screenwriting. Looking about around at a new location, bookstore. It's beautiful. Yes, yep. uh, Brunswick Street Bookstore. If you're ever in the area, you should um, pay to visit. Uh, come on in. We're going to ask about the morning bell. Do so. Um, we are here every alternate week. Um, alternate week. You can find us in the kids section. You can find us in the kids section, actually. Um, so we're right down the, um, the back of the store. The next podcast will be on the 1st of April at 7 p.m. is the start time. Uh, we'd no, love seriously, it's the first. It is the first, Yes. I got a bit of thing on Twitter about this, but I didn't... Yes, I'm bad with dates. I didn't know it was April Fool's. How, how could I not? But all that aside, it is actually happening on April 1st, 7 p.m. And the guest for that will be Michael Pryor. Um, he also does a lot of young adult fiction as well, just like Luke. Um, so it'll be interesting to have a chat with him and see how the heads collide or join together. We'll see how that works. Um, he's definitely a good conversationalist, and we look forward to having him on the show, hopefully... And this is saying that the internet world works exactly how it works, which never does. Uh, but if this gets uploaded before the 1st of April, then I hope you come along to that show. We'd love to have you here. Um, standing room only, unfortunately, but it will be really good to see some faces. So uh, thank yeah. you for joining us yeah, come for on. this podcast. Uh, thank you, Luke. Um, you're going to be a regular, it seems. So <laughs> pull your weight, I guess. Who knows? I might let yes. you do the uh, the conclusions or whatever. Um but where can they find you, Luke? Oh, well, you want to find me? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you can find me at thesoulshardchronicles.com. Um, finally got my website up. I know in the last podcast I mentioned it was down, but it was a different address, so now I've fixed that up. Mm-hmm. Um, or thesoulshard on Twitter. And, yeah, go from there. Fantastic. All right. Um, for me, you can find me on Twitter at the pen of Joel or the com is my website. Um, apart from that, you should check out the morning bell, which is the morningbell.net. Thank you very much for listening to this episode and we hope to see you on April 1st. Thanks, Thanks a lot.